I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. Welcome to episode four of the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. I'm Tim. JB and Phil are here. Evening, Hi. gents. Hi, Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello, Egg Chasers. Uh, hello, Egg Chasers. Thank you very much for having a listen. Uh, we are going to get straight in. Sorry, mate. What, what's Just going on? Um, well, on my laptop, and um, do those annoying websites where you go on, yeah, and they automatically play something. Well, automatically play, play something, so that's, that's what happened. I do hope that's not a sign of things to come. Let's get straight into uh, the State of the Union then, and uh, the first big talking point. Another high-profile Welshman looks like he's saying goodbye to the Valleys and hello to the top 14 after playing for Cardiff Blues against Leinster in the Pro 12 last Friday night. Lee Halfpenny hopped on a plane to Toulon and spent the weekend opening negotiations over a move for next season. Ian Evans, Alan Wynne-Jones and Adam Jones on the radars of top 14 clubs. Just last week there was talk of Ronan O'Brien... Ronan O'Brien. Ronan O'Brien is the fullback from Broughton Park. <laughs> For anyone not familiar with Broughton Park Rugby Club in level six or seven of the English leagues, uh, Ronan O'Brien's a, a player there. I think you meant Sean O'Brien, right? Sean O'Brien to uh, join his former Leinster and current Ireland teammate, Johnny Sexton at Ratim Metro. Where's it going to end? Is, is it going to end? Are, are they just all going to leave and every new talented player just continually move to France or England? Personally, I hope it doesn't end. My view on this is if Toulon want to go and play Lee Halfpenny 300,000 a year, pay him 300,000 a year. And the rest. Yeah, because we can, we can pay several Valley kids more to be good at rugby then. If we look at the regions now, they're nothing more than just feeder teams and and a, basically a development ground. I don't know why I want three hundred thousand so, pound players there. So you're like from a Wales fans' point of view, you think it's a good thing because it allows the regional teams more opportunity and, and more flexibility with their money to develop local talent. Exactly. Just for that local talent then to get pinched again if it's any good. But well, this, is, this is exactly why English and French teams have got a problem with the, the current European structure, because like, that's not fair. You've got guaranteed funding from European competition every year. Exactly. Well, I, I quite like it. I mean, I could be proved wrong. It could be the death knell for Welsh rugby. And also, there was, it's very interesting when Carl Heyman's moved to Toulon, because he basically said, I'm not interested in playing in the World Cup. So you might have a situation where club rugby becomes more powerful than international rugby, just, just like it has in football. And actually, it, it, it doesn't matter either way but at the moment I'm quite happy for the French teams to pay our players as much as they want One thing that might cause a problem is the release window from French clubs is shorter than that from Welsh clubs Prior to the Six Nations 
the Welsh clubs will release their players two weeks before for extended training camps like the uh, cryogenic training <laughs> camp that they do in, in Poland. And Universal Soldier. <laughs> but the, the French clubs won't do that. They, they'll want their players. They're mm -hmm. paying half a million pounds a year. They'll want their players playing the weekend before. Surely that surely that alone will have an impact long term if half your team is not getting the rest and, and the training and development that they require. Yeah, having someone like Gethin Jenkins play more than eight games a year <laughs> is a travesty, <laughs> I, I, admittedly. I'm thinking laterally, is there anything besides money which these Pro 12 sides can offer players to stay put? The main two things that uh, are drivers for men in particular I can't wait, I can't wait for this. Go on. <laughs> Go on. are sex and money. And we know that the Welsh teams have got no money available. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have to look at some, uh, some carefully, carefully, carefully scripted um, contracts for their yeah. players. Uh, you know, if you're out in... Cardiff after a match weekend, you'll realise pretty pretty soon that the Welsh team don't really struggle that much that much for sex. <laughs> it's not really it's not really a scarcity for them. Although I was going to say, I'm thinking along the same lines. Um, what could Welsh players be offered to make them stay? Catherine Zeta Jones. She's recently split from Michael Douglas. She's a proud Welsh beauty. She's very proud of her heritage. I'm sure she'd offer herself as bait. You know, yeah. If it's Take a, one for the team. <laughs> one from the team. team. That's a lovely idea, but we've tried this before with Charlotte Church, and it was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Picking up on what you said, JB, I think, and I'm filling for. I think it's, it's worth reminding these good these good Welsh players the price per minute they're going to be getting staying in Wales far outweighs the price per minute they'll get in France because they'll, they'll play one game in six and spend 90% of their life just doing strength and conditioning look at George North's quads and you see the effect that that has exactly um, I do think there's a, ge a genuine point here which is they're going to be asked to play more but as we referred to on previous episodes I actually think there's going to be some big changes in the Pro 12 if the European structures realign so to speak I think that one might rumble on uh, we'll move on to the next topic then for in the State of the Union uh, at the weekend, there was a yellow card for hair pulling against Harlequin's flanker Mori Farasavalu. Right, got to say about this. Conspiracy theory time. Yes, JB. Because uh. the guy whose hair he was pulling was my favourite player, Jack Berger, who has now been responsible for a total of well. Uh, it was 79 minutes for Nick Wood, which he missed, plus his uh, eight-week ban. And now another 10 minutes. Oh, so, yeah. so far, 89 minutes of missed rugby due to injuries inflicted on Jack Berger. You think he would be provoking players? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he does seem the type. Uh, I, I think the only way uh, an action like that can be excused is if, if a player is trying to rip off the Alice band that Luke Wallace, <laughs> the Queen's flanker, wears. That's the only circumstances whereby uh, pulling hair is acceptable. But is this part of a bigger problem in rugby? Are we getting a bit more like football? Overall, still no. Um, but I, I think there are incidents where it's happening. Um, things like that, things like certainly at lower levels berating the referee, shouting at the referee. The one thing which does disturb me, though, is things like Damien Try. Did you see oh, a few weeks ago? Dive the Claremont. The di yeah, the dive. That was shocking. Unbelievable. And we're still not at, this, at the stage of scratching each other's faces, uh, like Torres yeah, on the weekend. Torres. <laughs> Jan Vertonghen pulling down someone's shorts. It wasn't really hair like, I mean, he had his hands where you would put your hands if you were wrestling with someone, just happens to be hair there. I mean, Jack Berger, I'd want to touch Jack Berger's hair just to feel, <laughs> see what it feels like. The texture like, of Those it. wavy locks, how do you get it like that, like Jack? Like wire wool. <laughs> um, just as interesting uh, juxtapose, 
a few years ago, I say a few years ago, it must be like ten years ago, Augustine Peashot was tackled by the hair. Uh, and um, really? Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't given as a penalty. Uh, and in fact, I think I think the announcers or the commentators are saying along the lines of, "That's a risk that you that, that you take when you play rugby with long hair." <laughs> and in ten years, you know, ten years on the line, we're in this sad state of affairs. We can get yellow carded for stroking Jack Berger. <laughs> I think the phrase stroking Jack Berger, especially coming from JB, is uh, is our cue to move on. This weekend is the Rugby League Grand Final. It's Warrington Wolves against Wigan Warriors. They also, at the end of the season, uh, before the game at Old Trafford, announced the Man of Steel. Uh, this is the equivalent to the Premiership Player of the Season. However, I quite like the name Man of Steel. It's pretty good. It's basically it? that's the hardest man in rugby league. So I'm thinking, right, if today we were going to hand out an award for the hardest man in rugby union in the Aviva Premiership, who would win that award? Hmm. Phil. Now, I, I've been thinking about this. I'm, I'm honestly struggling. Um, if we're purely picking the hardest man... One thing I was thinking was... I know what you were thinking. You were thinking, why can't it include France so I can talk about my man crush, Jamie Cudmore? <laughs> Weren't you? Jamie Cudmore's pretty tough. <laughs> well, in the Premiership, one of, one of the things that's got me thinking was, who is the hardest man in the England rugby team? Because they, they virtually mm. all, oh. they do all play. Yeah. And this got me a little bit worried, actually. Because if Jeff Parlin is the closest thing you've got to oh an my, enforcer oh in your goodness. rugby team, then it's a sad state of affairs, in all honesty. Uh, who, do, who do Wales have who would be fairly handy? Dan Lydia, I reckon. Dan Lydia's himself. pretty tough, yeah. yeah. Himself, I mean, I would obviously say Jack Berger, but I don't think I want to say his name four times in one podcast. <laughs> Sorry, what? Jack, you just <laughs> mentioned Jack, Jack Berger, Jack your man crush. I, I was, Jack Berger was one of the, the people I was contemplating, but he's been out, out injured for 18 months, so... He, yeah, well, yeah. That, he looks that, like he that looks was a kryptonite injury, though. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> Jack Berger. <laughs> Jack Berger looks like he he tackles with his face. Yeah, when you look yeah. at him, he's a mess. There is something to be said, right, about the England team. That players in the England team who think that they're quite hard end up looking a bit silly. And these guys usually come from rugby league. So now we've got the strutting fly half from Saracens, Owen Farrell, Farrell, who rocks around like he owns the place. Chris, then you've got Chris, Chris Aston. Who got to dealt with by Manu well, Tualangi. To, be, get, to be fair, both of those have taken some hefty punches. Uh, Owen Fowler from teammate uh, Shalt Britz, Chris Ashton from Manu Tualangi, and they both stayed standing. Um, and if you think about films and stuff, like, uh, I don't know if you watch Breaking Bad... Yeah, I'm, mad into that. I'm not going to give away the ending if you haven't seen it yet. Not yet. And I haven't seen it yet either myself as we as we record this. But um, the scariest bad men, like, like Gus in Breaking Bad, are the ones where you know they're a bit crazy and a bit loopy under the surface, but you never see them. And I'd say Chris Ashton falls into that because he smiles, he seems a bit of a joker, but the way he took that Tuolangi punch... Didn't react. Yeah. Just took it like a like an absolute legend. He's he's indestructible. Like but that. he's a bit a bit soft in defence for my, my liking. I'm going to shout uh, Courtney Laws. Have you seen that man tackle? Yeah. Uh, he's had, he's, had, to, he's yeah. had to come out this season and say, I've been told to tackle with more technique because I'm just going to end my own career by tackling too hard. And he has. A, I'm sure I remember him knocking himself unconscious when he's flying in for a tackle. Similar to the chiropractor, the Samoan... Oh, oh um... Lima? Brian Lima. Brian Lima. Lima. Yeah, he did in one of his final appearances in, in the, what we're saying, the World Cup. There's not even one real about, proper hard man in the English in Premiership. In the Premiership, I'm really struggling. Well, he's probably Jack like, Berger is nails. Jack, yeah, Jack Berger is What right about Carl Ferns? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> now again, are there legal implications off, of uh, off the not, for, not for us? There's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there you are. And Cole Col- Burns. And back in the day, uh, da- Danny Grucock was was, was a oh, yeah. yeah. Just from his appearance uh, at the weekend with his humongous beard and shaved head, Joe Marler. Is he looks a brawler, doesn't he? He looks like Zangief out of the old yeah. Street Fighter 2, if you remember that. I'm glad you mentioned the Russian wrestler. I'm glad you mentioned Marla because he was a, a, an example of how you handle being sent off. The referee said to him, You collapsed the mall. He replied to the referee, Did I? And the referee said, Yes, and he walked <laughs> off. <laughs> that is how you do it. Joe Marla v. Jack Berger, who comes out on top? Uh, Jack Berger. I've, I've not seen many punches thrown from either of them that I can recall, but. Jack Berger wins. Weight advantage in Marla's favour. I go for Marla. Mm. Uh, and, and that beard. Well, the hardest man in rugby full stop is actually Steve-O, the commentator from Rugby League. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's kind of a moot point talking about rugby league. So, all right, we're sending over... Jacques, I'm going to vote Jack Berger. We're sending over Jack Berger to you, Steve-O, across code, <laughs> battle to the death. Steve-O will tell you straightforward, send anyone you want, just don't send anyone you want back. <laughs> All right, then, that's the State of the Union. Uh, now, something very exciting, guys. Stash Stash Time for a stash update. England have revealed their new chain strip. How would you describe this? It's burgundy, wine red. Mainly thin hoops. I'm not a big fan, in all honesty. I like it. I think it's got a sort of classic-y look to it. it I, I like the, it looks like yeah. It. Although it kind of also looks like they needed a centenary kit or whatever it's there for, so they hired the designers from Laura Ashley to do it. You're too well trained. Yeah. Very sophisticated palettes. I just think at least it's not purple. Oh, I God. Actually, I actually quite liked the purple and gold kit from a few years the ago. purple and gold kit? Yeah. Oh, purple. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, that wasn't the, too bad. I, I, I thought that was all right. It's very, very Roman legion. Yeah. I think the new England away kit is it's trying to combine modern and classical, and it's just not quite got it right for me. I'm glad it's not purple, and at least it's not the Leicester Tigers away kit. Oh, God. That, oh. Is, that is an abomination. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. I don't know wh- don't know why, but this year has been a... F- it could be an all-time vintage year for home kits, but as for away kits, there are mm. some ter- Northampton, terrible. Oh, that oh. horrible greeny yellow. Ugh. Yeah. Leicester, best kit in the land, wor- worst, worst away, away kit. kit. Horrendous. Um, one kit I saw for the first time, or, or some of the... Uh, like post-match stash that I saw for the first time was the Newcastle. Oh, and that is I'm not. Oh, sure. the it's green and black. Green yeah, trim. the green oh. and black. It's like a, where's that green come from? It's, it's like, like a, a shell suit. Yeah, shell suit. Like 1980s shell suit. Dean Richards has chosen it. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it, yeah, it is awful. It looks so cheap. And where have they got that green from? Stash updates. Stash you can see our stash updates and have a look at the pictures of what we're talking about. Eggchasers.com is our website and at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Uh, time now to select another dream team. Uh, this is so called because at some point one of us comes up with a, a harebrained idea of a topic from which to pick a 15. And today, Phil... International Export 15 players that are playing for countries that aren't their original nationality. Yeah, and that, that's possibly or arguably another problem within the sport, that you're getting players who are just effectively journeymen travelling to a country that will have them to, to play internationally. Yeah. But, regardless of that, let's celebrate the fact that um, there have been some 
classics over the years. Before we get into it, there's just a little bit of the political thing behind it. Um, last year, the Fiji coach came out and said that England, Australia and New Zealand were vultures and that they were ruining rugby, the way they were just sending scouts to Junior World Cups and then getting players over to come to school and offering them scholarships and all kinds of stuff. Well, that's... I think it's... Um I think it's incorrect, that argument. I th- I, I've certainly seen that for a long time, but there was a, a very good article that I, I found on one website that was looking at the 2011 World Cup and what countries were represented um, by players not playing for their country of birth. And I think New Zealand only had four players who weren't born in New Zealand playing for them, whereas there were 40 New Zealand-born players playing for other nations, wow. 16 of whom were playing, wow. were playing for Samoa. Where are my manners? That, that clearly, you should have warned me, you should have warned me <laughs> oh, that, there was an, that there was some knowledge coming our way, but that, that is an incredible bit of knowledge, deserves a knowledge bomb. But... Wait for it. Knowledge. <laughs> Well, I think there's clearly the guys which have been spotted in the, you know, under-sevens World Cup. and Then what have they done? <laughs> then there's the other guys, like Tim Visser. I mean, Tim Visser's not going to go and play for Holland, because why would he? George Gregan would be one. And then there's the classic journeyman. Uh, not quite good enough for their national teams. And others say Mike Cat, who I think could, in his prime could have got into any team. I think it's just a, a representative of the cosmopolitan game. All right, well, maybe we'll talk, we'll talk about the sort of whys and wherefores as we go through it. But uh, front row, then. Who's the best 15 that's playing for a nationality that they've adopted? I had Peter de Villiers. I, I also had Peter I de Villiers. I also had Peter de Villiers. Hell of a prop in his day. Yeah. I like to... Uh... Support tier two nations on this, on the Dream 15. Good man, Phil. Um, Gregoire Yashvili, brother of Dimitri, <laughs> Dimitri Yashvili. Wow. Born yeah. in France, played for Georgia. I thought that was the other way around. I thought they were born in Georgia They're, and played for France. Dimitri Yashvili's got a, got a front row playing brother. Yes. Same two parents. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Would not have called that. Um, Mind you, Ben Youngs and Tom Youngs, look at them. Yeah. Um, uh, but Yashvili's were of Georgian descent, but grew up in France. Ah, I thought and born and grew up in France, like born, raised, grew up in France. Um, the other one who's pretty good would be the Beast. Yeah, Zimbabwean. Uh, uh, Zimbabwean, yeah. The Bunny Polars. Dylan Hartley. Matt Stevens. Now, the strangest one of all, in, in my mind, okay, <laughs> would be Chris Horseman. Why on earth, when you're English with no Welsh heritage, would you decide to play for an English team, yet move across the border to Port Talbot, of all places, and then travel to Worcester every day in order to get your three years' residency to play for Wales? Surely it'd be easier to play for England. I mean, he did win a Grand Slam, so... Well, I suppose so. Uh, and also, why would you choose Port Talbot to live? It's the opposite. <laughs> it's the opposite to... Halfpenny going to Toulon. Richard Strauss or Richard? Richard. Richard. I'm going to pick a bow with Richard Strauss. Three years, he spent his whole life in South Africa. Came to Ireland to study and play rugby. Within three years, he can be an international Irish player. I mean, the rules have got to change. That's that's just wrong. I have an issue with with that kind of thing as well. Haven't cricket already dealt with this? They've made it a seven-year residency period. Ah. Uh, so let's move into the locks then. Uh, Ian Evans would be the obvious one. Ian Evans, South African. I didn't know that. Is he? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realise that. Uh, Brenton Cobain, not an obvious one. Pro- probably <laughs> yeah. won't be making the team. Um, Nathan Hines. Nathan Hines, Australian. Yeah, Australian. Of course, yeah, Aussie. Back row. Abdel Benazir. Then that's a great one. Thomas Waldrum. Michael Jones. Michael Jones. Oh. Oh, did he play for Samoa? Played for Samoa, yeah. 
What and then and then went on to play for what did he get? 50, 60, 70 caps for... You're right. 1986, yes. he played one cap for Samoa. Don't mess, <laughs> me, don't mess me, Tim. And then in 1987, in the World Cup, he played for New Zealand and won the World Cup. Wow, how did that happen? Exactly. That, yeah. I'd love to know how that That could have been a about. completely different career. Um, the other one would be Pat Lamb. Pat Lamb was a phenomenal player, and he's been capped by two nations. Samoa and, Samoa and New, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. Paul Cock was born in South Africa. Dutatois, born in the Ivory Coast. Stefan Armitage, born in Trinidad and Tobago. Jamie Heaslip, born in Israel, because his parents were living on a military base. Similar to Matt Kvesic, who was born in Germany. Henry Fourie, yeah. South African, who played for England. Yeah, of course, yeah. Henry Fourie was part of the um, short-lived Save Shrek campaign, <laughs> where, where his sporting visa, like his playing visa, ran out. And he was really deported. He was he? he was up in arms because he thought he was going to be <laughs> deported, but he didn't. He hadn't actually inquired about it. He hadn't checked, and but he could have just applied for like a residential or a, a separate working visa. There was a big uh. Twitter campaign and all that saved Shrek. And then had to, like, <laughs> two weeks later, when the, they got in touch with whoever it was, the the organisation, so he, he's very very quickly backed down. <laughs> <laughs> Good job uh, for South Sharks because he was a revelation of a signing for oh, them, wasn't yeah. he? Four, oh, he was, four he, games was it? That was it? Even that crazy. many? He was going to take um, South Sharks to the next level. Unfortunately, <laughs> it was the next level below nearly. The halfbacks then rattle off some names, Phil. George Gregan. George Gregan's one. Will Will Genia was born in um, Papua New Guinea. Isaac Boss is a New Zealander. Wow. One of my fly halves is my favourite of all of these. Frano Botica. Got him. Not and he went to Croatia. Yes. Yes. He, he, so he, Tell me, talk. What? Frano Botica, Rugby Union and Rugby League New Zealand yeah. legend, was capped for Croatia when he was, I think he was close to 40 at the time, in three World Cup qualifiers for the 99 World Cup, playing a few games for them. But I find this a little, a little bit depressing. I understand there's always going to be in this modern world a little bit of a fluid motion of people, but I don't like it when it feels a bit opportunistic, like, oh, yeah. not, not quite good enough to play for New Zealand. I'll, I'll, I'll go and live in Wales. I think I might have had a well, great aunt who lived there for a bit. Sean Maitland. Yeah. Prime example. Yeah. Prime got, got example. to 24, oh, hadn't been capped by New Zealand. Didn't think he was going to get an opportunity. Have you um, mentioned Shane Howarth? No. Shane Howarth. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween Luscombe. Who came over from? I'll ask him. Yeah, he came over, and I think something to do with his visa or something. He couldn't play rugby immediately, so the chairman of Newport had to put him to work in a furniture factory for the first seven months. I remember that. <laughs> it's, oh man, there's so many. Have um, got any more like real big names to mention? Well, yeah, I mean, you can look at almost any England centre from the last ten years, and there's a fifty-fifty chance that he's going to be foreign. Yeah, Brad Barrett, Manutuilagi, Mike Cat, Rick, Ricky Flutie, Mike Cat, uh, Shantine Harpe. Yeah, Henry mm. Paul. You know, if you are going to take up rugby as a career, you've got something like ten years, if you're lucky, to make as much money as you can. So playing for yeah. Georgia, lovely idea. But if you happen to be based in, in Leicester Tigers and you're going to get the appearance money from England, well, are you going to play for England? Yeah. The, and it's only right that you do so. The choice that Manu Tuolagi had to make to play for Samoa where you hardly get any money at all if, if you actually get anything, if, if like, the... the uh, Distinction of representing your nation is, is the only honour. Um, compared to England, where it's what, 12, 13,000 pounds per match. Nicky Little, play. right, in an interview, and you, and, and you can pull this up, claimed that in this Samoa team, a couple of lads were amazed by the concept of lifts. And that, that, that's how little they were getting paid. They were amazed by the concept of lifts. <laughs> <laughs> As in elevators. As in elevators, yeah. Maybe it's set to continue, but I'm a bit of a purist. I'd... Yeah, I. 
like you, Cocker, I think those who, the cynical players who just travel, they know they've got no chance of representing their own country, so they travel to Scotland or Wales or, or England. Yeah. To, to, As a Welshman, Jay, how did it feel when, when Brent Cobain, when you watched him and the camera panned across during the National Anthem and Brent Cobain was singing the Welsh Anthem? There's two ways that I feel about this. Um, when he wins a Grand Slam, I'm absolutely delighted. <laughs> right? When he doesn't win a Grand Slam, I never want to see him again. So those are the two main emotions that, that, I, um, that I suffer. Oh, that's the fickle nature of sport. Right, and on that note, we will move on because uh, this is called Rugby Social. Every good rugby club loves a social, whether it's a kangaroo court or just a, a night on the town, a bit of pub golf or whatever. Socials are every bit a part of rugby as playing the game itself. Um, this, though, is rugby social. It's looking at the social media updates of professional rugby players. Let's play rugby social. I am going to give you some information based on some Twitter updates from some professional rugby players. You have to tell me which one of these is true. Starting with Alex Cuthbert. Alex Cuthbert did what with Connor Murray in the last week? Was it take the mickey out of Leicester Tigers away kit? Was it play FIFA 14 online? Or was it argue over whose head was bigger, Warren Gatlin's or Jamie Roberts? <laughs> hmm, so the first one is take the mick out of Leicester's away kits. Which is something we know that you've been doing on Twitter, Cocker. <laughs> <laughs> and, and rightly so, of course. Right, it's at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, by the way. The second the, one? FIFA, playing FIFA, FIFA online. FIFA 14 online, or deciding whose head is bigger, Warren Gatlin's or Jamie Roberts? I think it's a great discussion to try and uh, determine whose head is bigger, but it's whose head is bigger. It's got to be FIFA online. Yeah, I think uh, modern rugby players today have far too much time themselves, and it's the kind of thing that they would do is go home, play play some FIFA. Yeah, they all love tweeting about um, EA, whatever AAA EA, um, giving them FIFA 14 a few days early. How, how privileged they are. When's next uh, Journal Omen Rugby coming out? It can't be long now. <laughs> oh, we need another rugby game, don't we? There's, there's been a few. like They always re- reel an EA1 out for the World Cup, but I, I think I played 2007. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with playing FIFA. Playing FIFA. It's correct. It is. And uh, can I just say how many uh, rugby players have been tweeting about getting a free copy of FIFA in this last week? It's quite really? phenomenal. So many. Do you think they're going to tweet like that when we send out the Egg Chasers Club tie? Yeah, I, I'm sure they will, Jay. I'm sure they will. Right, next one. Richard Hibbard's daughter did what this week? Was it <laughs> oh dear. spend over £2,000 on games on his iPhone? Was it dyed her hair blonde, as blonde as his, or did she say that he looked like a chunky Flash Gordon? Mmm, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so dyeing her... Oh, I'm guessing she's young. So dyeing her hair, I, not an option. I think it will be the iPhone games. Wow. I, uh, bang on key and JB's <laughs> phone just went off. <laughs> I'm going to agree with Phil. iPhone games. You're sensible to agree with me, Jay. It's, it's very rare that you do. 
It's correct. Uh, Richard Hibbard discovered that his daughter has spent £2,000, in excess of £2,000, on games on his iPhone. Jamie Roberts replied to his tweet by saying... Come to Toulon, phone bills are easy to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Roberts replied by saying, so you've got so much coin, you only check your bank account every six months, which is quite a good point, because this, this was not a weekend splurge on apps. This was six months' worth, and he didn't even notice. Oh. Yeah. Was it uh, Smurf Village, by any chance? Because that is very... Very easy to do. <laughs> or pirate ship. Well, that Simpsons one's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty. Well, can, much can like be crushed. That. Surely it's going. Yeah, be totally. Uh, right then, this one as well. We've got the next one. <laughs> Uh, Jamie Roberts, I mentioned him a moment ago, but he's been tweeting as well, and he said, Fair play, that show, referring to a TV show, is easily up there with the in-betweeners. Was he talking about Breaking Bad, Fresh Meat, or Keeping Up Appearances? Oh, I've got, sorry, I've got to go with Fresh Meats. I have to. Why is that? It's just, it's too similar. I can't imagine that he's getting the, um... In-betweeners in vibe from could Breaking be in terms Bad. Yeah, I'm going with Fresh Meats. <sighs> Could you not come up with something a little bit more contemporary? Did you yeah. just pitch All right, you got it right. You got it right. VHS. Well done. Whatever, whatever. Okay, then. <laughs> this week, Welsh prop Adam Jones attended what? Ooh. A polo match, women wrestling in jelly contest, or a business club Q&A? Ooh, this is good. Business Club Q&A. I'm not even sure what that means. Uh, I imagine one of his favourite things is jelly. <laughs> yes. Um, and we also know that Welsh players love sex. Yeah, well... It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Care to elaborate on that? No, no, that's just a fact, I think. Je so, um, jelly wrestling. How are you feeling um, about that one? Yeah, let's go for jelly what wrestling. The, hang on. What was the tweet sent from Mike Phillips' house? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going for jelly wrestling. I hope to God it's Jelly Wrestling. It was uh, a Newport Business Club Q and A. He was a the Newport Business Club. That implies there's business in Newport. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, he was there. I I I'm just going to mention this one. Um, I've no idea who this person is. Have you heard of Lewis Reese, <laughs> South no. Walian? Uh, well, he he's friends on Twitter with Alex Cuthbert. He was amazed and tweeted that he ate cheesecake for the first time and it didn't taste like cheese. Uh, that's one of your countrymen that day. A few years ago at a club dinner, a guy who won't be named, when the cheese board, cheese and pork came around at the end of the meal, uh, and there were three, three types of cheese, uh, soft brie, I think, um, a cheddar, and a stilton, and he picked up the stilton, looked at it and said, this one's covered in mould. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not eating that. I remember many a coach trip on away games back from uh, playing games for Manchester, and cheese and port is an essential part of the rugby yeah, experience. If you're, yeah. if you're a rugby player and you can't navigate yourself around the cheese board, you need to consider a different sport. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well done. Well, there, there we go. That was, uh, that was Rugby Social on the Egg Chasers podcast. Good game, JB, and Thanks. I'm sure, sure that'll be back for another edition. And we go from Rugby Social. Well, I'll just mention the website again. It's eggchasers.com. Uh, but that is not the only website uh, that we've been checking out this week. Obviously, there's loads of amazing stuff, uh, including this podcast, which you can listen to at eggchasers.com and have your say on uh, many of the things we're talking about. But... 
we were looking for um, a website 15. Now, that was that was one of our ideas. Unfortunately, not very many rugby players have a website, but you can almost guess the type of rugby player which would have a website. So after we trawled through... James Haskell. James Haskell. Digby Ioni's is exceptional. It is great. We came across one which was created in 2005 and has, and has been updated, what, on the blog once since 2005? Once on the blog part of it, But yeah. the content is exceptional. One update, but my word, what an update. Uh, let's hear it for benfoden.co.uk. Yes, Ben. Uh, this is a treasure trove. There's a little tab at the top called Ben Una. <laughs> Una being Ben Foden's wife. Now, ben Una, right? Is, is that like a uh, Brangelina or whatever? Yeah, that's yeah. A, it sounds, that sounds like a curry dish. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I'll have a chicken Ben Una, please. <laughs> I've, I've never seen content like you're about to see on any other website for any other sports. Well, let's just ever. remind ourselves for a second of last week. I think we discovered that, that music and rugby, when it's not a national anthem, doesn't really work. Uh, for example, Alex Corbusier rapping. Keep it kind of quiet, people on a diet. Scrub oh. straight, turn us right, I don't deny it. Test me, Make try it, stop me, don't buy it. Uh. I'm a the only way this song is awkward, or this thing is awkward, is actually when you watch him do it. Told you before we represent L.I. London Irish. I had it in my head the day after. I was having the Alex Corbusier rap. Wow. So, Ben Foden has a whole section on his website dedicated to the songs that he sings with his girlfriend, member of the Saturdays, Una. Yeah. Uh, looking at it, it's some sort of fetish. <laughs> it's foreplay, isn't it? Yeah. It's foreplay for Ben and Una. I had some neighbours that used to, uh, whenever you heard the musical instruments come out, you knew that was their foreplay. Oh, Barnaby yeah. and Amanda, they were called. <laughs> <laughs> they used to get the kids into bed, oh, then you'd no. hear them start playing violin and stuff, and that was it. That was their, uh, then you knew they were going to be at it all night. But uh, yeah, here is Ben Foden singing Stand By Me uh, with his girlfriend. <laughs> He's, he's really trying, isn't he? Yeah, he's putting in a bit too much effort. He's not got a bad voice. Certainly better than me. I feel dirty. <laughs> no, his thing. It, singing with your girlfriend is one thing. Fine, I don't sing myself, but that's absolutely fine. But singing when you're an international rugby star and putting it on your own webpage called Ben Foden 15, <laughs> something isn't quite adding up here. In fact, if I was to hazard a guess, it almost looks like one of those... Do you hear these stories in the Daily Mail about children being bullied online? It's almost like some sort of revenge site. What, someone else has yeah. re recorded it and put it on. I wonder if he's fallen out with a close friend recently. <laughs> do you think this whole website could be a facade? I can't think of what else it possibly could be. Can we um, ask uh, ask the egg chasers out there to submit other rugby players' web pages that, that may be of interest to the podcast? Particularly if it involves singing. I mean, we'd love to have a, a regular rugby oaky slot. We've uh, we've had you know Alex Corbiziero. We've just had Ben Foden, and of course there was Ma Matt, there was Matt Stevens as well. We should release a CD. Matt Stevens. We should release a CD. England rugby great. Uh, by the way, sing. Terrible 80s, or 90s songs. Digby Ioni, right, on, on his, uh, his, his banner, only go on, is the Australian David Beckham. 
That's what, he, what? That's what have you re- seen that? That's what he refers yeah. to himself. That's as. what he refers to himself as, the Australian David Beckham. This tells me two things: that he he still thinks that David Beckham is the standard bearer, uh, and also that he regards himself well as highly as David Beckham. Oh, no wonder it's all going wrong for Australia. Oh, the Australian David Beckham, that's horrible. It does say it. It, is, it wasn't just me getting it wrong, it does say it. Oh, that's horrible. You kind of know the type of player which is going to have a website. The kind of player who won't have a website would be, I don't know, Jacques Berger? Adam Jones? I'll tell you what, though, Adam Jones's website would be phenomenal <laughs> if he had one. I would like to do, if you can persuade Adam Jones to do it, a website in the style of Quaid Cooper's, the Welsh David Beckham, with Adam Jones, with and, of... and recreate all the pictures that Quaid Cooper's done. Yeah, with lots of black and white, fo- moody black and white photos <laughs> with downlight. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Maybe get Duncan Jones in for a oh, little... Yeah. little do- <laughs> Remember when the two of them were inseparable? Yeah, I, the hair bear bunch. Yeah, I, I actually genuinely thought for a long time that they were brothers. Yeah, so did I. I, I, think, I, I think everyone did. They're not. No, they're not related no, no, they're in not. any way. No, no. No. Wow, <laughs> that's uh, quite incredible. So yeah, if you got any, if you know of any other players' websites, or, or like I say, in general, just a general appeal. If you know of any other rugby players that have a secret closet singing career that we can expose in rugby oki and add to uh, the list of Alex Corbiziero, Matt Stevens, and now Ben Foden at Rugby Podcast on Twitter or eggchasers.com. Uh, right then, it's time to ask another rugby professional or and or legend to tell us who they think of all the people that have ever worn a shirt wore it best. And today, the thoughts of Phil Vickery on tight head prop. Who wore the number three shirt best? A lot of people would say you, Phil. Well, not my mum would. Um, and my sister, probably. She'd give me a vote. I think it's so difficult to, to, to pick out one thing, but someone who I grew up and I thought, I don't think I've ever seen anyone better, would be Olo Brown oh, yeah. from New Zealand. He was just phenomenal. Great big bear of a man. Just got on and done his job and was, you know, him. And I just remember the big battles with him and Oz Durant, the ox who I played against. It's like scrummaging against a bungalow. <laughs> you know, it's a huge, great big man. I just I just remember those battles. Maybe that was my era growing up. But, you know, Frank Tournaire in France as well is someone who, who's phenomenal. I'll tell you what, someone to even talk about today, you know, I don't know many better tight head props in, in world rugby at the minute than, than Adam Jones. I think it's the nice way out. I think the way that he's performed and come through at the Ospreys and had years of being pushed about and he's just become a real solid representation of Welsh rugby, a wonderful player. But you know we can go on and on and on really. And you know I played my little role and perhaps took took front row rugby to a new level. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite your norm and you know I tried to always play the game. It wouldn't didn't just interest me to want to scrummage. I wanted the ball in my hand. I wanted to be able to try things and. And, and I've, I've had a wonderful career. Really, really loved every minute of it. There we go, the thoughts of Phil, uh, Phil Vickery. So he cited a few names. He, he picked Olo Brown, the New Zealander, as the, as the best tight head prop of all time. Uh, what do you think then, gents? JB, where, where's your head at with this one? Hmm, OK. Well, other than Darren Morris, in my mind, the best... <laughs> The best tired prop. We should have a little uh, ding. Uh, JB <laughs> mentions his obscure Welsh international. We've had Rupert Moon, we've that, had Nathan Budget, this time Darren Morris. Not that obscure, to be fair, but certainly not the best of all time. Um, Adam Jones, still to this day, he's almost irreplaceable to any team that he plays for. 
Yeah, you showed in the the Lions just yeah. how important he was dismantling the Australian scrum. And then when Dan Cole, who's a very good England prop, came on for him, contrast was, was immediately noticeable. And what I, I love how important tight end props still is. I mean, they are probably they're the most valuable players in in rugby. I remember reading a while ago that yeah, certainly talking like five, six years ago, the tight head props were the, the highest paid. Yeah, and Richard Cockrell said at the start of this season that the most important person in his team is a tight head prop. The second most important person in his team is the backup tight head prop. <laughs> which is a brilliant little quote. That, yeah. Argentine player. Martin, I've probably pronounced this wrong, Celzo? Scelzo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 year international career from 1996 to 2011. Um, played in four World Cups, including the third place finish wow. in 2007. And played for Claremont and won the Heineken Cup with Northampton. Wow. Underrated player. Well, again, like, why didn't you warn us that there was some knowledge coming your way? That's some, uh, <laughs> that's some outstanding knowledge there. <laughs> Just drop that knowledge bomb. Um, knowledge. <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> Phil Vickery as well. Yeah. I, played in three World Cups, got to two finals. One, one, one. Won one Captained an unlikely runners-up side. Yeah. Is it right? Okay, so this is another thing which kind of interests me, which is um, Phil Vickery actually alluded to he was a different type of prop. He was the mobile yeah, he prop. Was, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or things. You get this in, like, in like uh, lower leagues and the levels that we'll have played. In fact, at all levels, you'll get mm. people that are amazing technicians in the scrum but then offer nothing yeah. else really around the park. But that's, I mean, that's kind of like having a supercar and it being able to drag a plough. It doesn't need to do that. It just needs to scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I, all, that's all you need. I can definitely see the... Like, it's, it's a nice to have someone like Vickery who can do the, yeah. the hard work in the scrimmaging and be good around the park. But if, like Australia against the Lions, you were getting destroyed, giving penalty after penalty away in the scrum, there's no point in having someone who can uh, throw 30-yard passes or step round players if they can't do the basics right. But that yeah. said, and it's important to remember he did break the mould because, um, you know, you look, you look at players like Joan Lomu, and after Joan Lomu came on, suddenly every rugby club, the length and breadth of the country, was trying to turn a flanker into a winger. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone did. Every single club did. I think when Phil Vickery uh, rocked up and did some of the things, I'm just going to show you a video, and this is, this is on YouTube, yeah. and uh, it's, I think it's a try that you might remember. In the early days of the Premiership, so it's Gomesall making a break. Newcastle clear it with a kick. And it's the boot of Walder who tries to relieve the pressure. Gone back. Henry Paul, James Simpson, Daniel. How long ago is this? James Forrester. James Forrester. And there's Phil Vickery on the wing. Wing. Look at that gas. And off. He's in touch. He's in touch. No, he's over. Gas. Hand off. Ran over two players. I used to have that game. Finished it with a try. <laughs> why, can't Gloucester, why can't they just look back at that game and say, that's our kit? That is our kit. Jay, forget the kit. We're sorry. Right. <laughs> brilliant try. <laughs> this Gloucester video is bringing back, bringing back some memories. James Forrester. I was about yeah. to say that. He was so talented. It's such a shame that his... Um, Look at that gas. He's like awesome. Johnny Wilkinson he's doing. Mark Wilkinson would Mark. be my guess. <laughs> <laughs> Can we agree on one? To be fair, I think Phil Vickery in the interview that you, which you conducted, was alluding to himself as up there. So I'm going to give, give him the benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, he probably is. He won a World Cup. He was in a, a great team, and he was the cornerstone of a great team. Phil Vickery, well done. Take a bow. Take a bow. Uh, right there we go. That was that is the latest, um, the, the number four in the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. Um, it's worth actually saying um, before we go any further. 
we got every single prediction right for the well, weekend's games just gone. Me and you did, Cocker. Oh, yeah, of course. Jay predicted a Harlequins win against Saracens. I did. But, um, Saracen, uh, Saracens... No, actually, no. I'm not going to get... I'm, no, I'm no I just shut up. I'm yeah, back in your box. <laughs> uh, so, basically, what, what, what we've learned is if you want to make some money out of an accumulator, just listen to Friday's edition of the Egg Chasers podcast when we will do a very quick... It's like, it's like the little mischievous brother of the podcast this is the main one and then our little mischievous brother it's a, it's a re- really short one previewing the weekend's games and another rocked up interview uh, for your entertainment that'll be coming out on friday there you go done packed sorted uh, right thank you very much for listening eggchasers.com at rugby podcast on twitter and we hope to hear from you there mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 